focusing on dynamic duos this morning. Eh? Let's read from Romans. We're only going to read the book, from the book of Romans, Romans chapter 16 and 3 to 5. That's what we're going to focus on here this morning. And uh, it's quite interesting when we look at dynamic duos. There are many dynamic duos in the Bible. But there are also dynamic duos in life where people, dynamic duos have made such an impact on people's lives. But let's read Romans chapter 16 here this morning from verses 3. It says, great, greet Priscilla and Aquila. I want you to see that Priscilla's name is mentioned first. Eh? Priscilla and Aquila, and it was not because it's the normal thing. It was, there was a reason for that, because in, in, in biblical days they never did that. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus. They risked their lives for me. Not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. Greet also the church that meets at their house. So far may God bless the reading of his precious word. History and fiction are replete with stories of dynamic duos. We all know about Romeo and Juliet. We're not going to think about that now, but I'm just saying. History is, and fiction is, it's, 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 are replete with stories of dynamic duos. These people, or these powerful pairs, united their individual gifts and abilities to accomplish incredible things. The Bible also recorded some husband and wife combinations. Abraham and Sarah, Moses and Zipporah, Ruth and Boaz, to mention but a few. But no marriage was quite like that of Priscilla and Aquila. Young people, I want you to listen to this today, because you're going to get married one day. Priscilla and Aquila. And consequently, no ministry was quite like this. Crazy as it sounds, Scripture suggests that without Priscilla and Aquila, the church might have not turned out the way it did, because they served together. The book of Acts and the letter to Romans tells of Priscilla and Aquila. And as they do, they name, they name Priscilla in most cases before Aquila. Now in the culture of that time, you see it in your notes there, men always got top billing. <laughs> Not so in the case of Priscilla and Aquila. And now let's look at these dynamic duos. The first point I want to make here is God uses difficult seasons and circumstances to advance his plan. Difficult seasons and circumstances to advance his plan. And we can read there from Acts chapter 18, the whole of Acts chapter 18, in fact, up to verse 25, maybe beyond that, uh, in Acts chapter 18. Priscilla and Aquila were tent makers, legal citizens of Rome. After the persecution, we read there, of the Jewish people under the emperor Claudius, they made their way to Greece as tent makers where they encountered the Apostle Paul and tutored the dynamic evangelist, teacher, preacher, Apollos. 
their impact on these Christian leaders and the bravery they demonstrated within the early church became legendary, to say the least. And Priscilla and Aquila are referenced in four different New Testament books, Acts, Romans, Corinthians, and Timothy as well. Where you are at right now is not where you will always be. I'm going to repeat that statement. Where you are right now is not where you will always be. Because you see, God uses difficult seasons and circumstances to advance his plan. It's never the easy seasons. In the easy seasons, I become complacent. I don't care because, it's, because things are just working out for me. It's in the difficult seasons. And brothers and sisters, if you are not in a difficult season as a child of the Lord, my goodness, then the enemy is satisfied with you. And he's definitely satisfied with you. Then you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. <laughs> I'm not saying it's not supposed, we're not as Christians to have good times. Please don't get me wrong. But there's always a challenging season. In every person's life, there's a challenging season. In every Christian's life, there's always a challenging season. Because God uses difficult seasons to advance his plan. Did you hear that? In our lives, where you are, I'll repeat it again, and, uh, you are at right now, it's not where you will always be. Know that God is preparing you today for what he wants to do through you in the future. He is teaching you to trust him, to be bold in your faith. He is growing your character and he is fine-tuning you, not somebody else. He's fine-tuning you. Trust him. He knows what he's doing. Maybe your life has taken a detour this morning. Left you unsure or even afraid of what your future may hold. And you're wondering, hey, where to from here? Are you experiencing a season that feels like your spiritual life has been derailed? Or your whole life in general has been derailed? Some derailments are severe. They will require weeks, months, years, or even decades of cleanup, rebuilding, and resolving. If you have been derailed by disappointments, distractions, unexpected disruptions, bitterness, resentment, just to name a few, know that your life is in the hands of the most detailed planner ever. The plans of the Lord, Psalm 33:11 says, the plans of the Lord stand firm forever, the purposes of his heart through all generations. No matter what circumstance, scenario, outcome, he knows every single detail and every single potential breakthrough, every single po possibility. He has every single part of your story planned out. We, we are so privileged to have someone 
who has a hold of all the details of our lives this morning. But you know, there's still another uh, couple that we need to look at here this morning. <laughs> you know, they were also an amazing duo. Who do you think they are? <laughs> right? We learn from another duo, dynamic duo, that was Mary and Joseph. Can you remember? Now, Joseph was a carpenter by trade. You must remember that. He knew how to plan. You don't do carpentry without planning. Planning at all. He knew how to plan. Things were going well, so well. But, but eventually, it changed. His plans were derailed. Mary returned from her cousin, Elizabeth, and she was visibly pregnant. And Joseph knew that there was a problem. She was visibly pregnant. But you know, when I think of Joseph, Joseph's character was such that he wanted to do the right thing at all times. Is that your character this morning? I want to do the right thing at all times. Whether it costs me, whether it's painful, I want to do the right thing at all times. That was Joseph. And when his world came crashing down, he thought about how to help and protect Mary instead of just thinking of, of himself. It was at that moment when the angel of the Lord came to him and spoke to him and said, this is not about you and Mary. This is about the Lord. And you've got to obey, Joseph. <laughs> and what seemed like a total disaster was God's magnificent plan, God's matchless plan, God's master plan to bring salvation to the world. You must remember, the angel first spoke to Mary. And after Mary questioned the angel about certain things that she did not understand about this virgin birth, she, nobody would understand it. This is what Mary said. In, you can read it in the May it be to me according to your word, according to your promises. And she was obedient. And now it's jo jo Joseph's turn as well. You know, and uh, uh, after the angel had spoken to him, uh, Joseph decided to follow God's plan. I'm asking you this morning, have you decided to follow God's plan no matter what you find yourself in this morning? Have you decided to follow God's plan or your own plan? He embraced this plan as his own and took Mary as his wife. The Bible says that. You can read about that in Matthew chapter 1 from verses 18 onwards. Or maybe a little further than that. This worked out better than Joseph's plan ever would have. Joseph decided that this is best. That's why he embraced it. And you know what the Lord was doing more than Joseph could have thought or imagined. And all the Lord asks us this morning is this, to trust his version of reality beyond what we can see.
Are you trusting his version? Or are you trusting your own version of reality here this morning? Jesus is greater than any hardship we face. He holds our destiny in his hands. He is sufficient for every circumstance we may face. Do not focus on your need, but on your supplier this morning. Do not focus on your problem, but your problem solver this morning. He's Jesus, and he's ready and available to step into your situation and circumstances. Yes, God used uses difficult seasons and circumstances to advance his plan. Think about your life so far. Think of what he has used to advance his plan in your life and your family's lives. But secondly, we also learn here from this couple, mending lives is God's plan for all of us. And there we read in Romans chapter 16, also in Acts chapter 18 again. Priscilla ran a tent-making business with her husband Aquila in Corinth. But her greatest contribution was as a teacher of the gospel and part of the Apostle Paul's missionary team. Priscilla and Aquila are fascinating studies in men and women working together for the cause of the kingdom. It's about men and women working together for the cause of the kingdom. Their workshop afforded them the opportunity for evangelism. But what is even more interesting, in seven references to this couple, the wife is mentioned before the husband five times. Priscilla played a leading role in their ministry work. I'll say this to ladies here this morning. You're not supposed to take the lead in the home. You're supposed to be part of the leadership team. But in this case here, Priscilla had gifts that Aquila respected and honored. And he supported her. Don't always find that, eh? And he believed in her. Not only Aquila, but Paul believed in this woman because of the amazing leading roles that she displayed. But let's go back and let's think about this couple as refugees. This couple, they were refugees now in Corinth. They they were refugees. And as refugees, this couple resourcefully or resourcefully set up a tent-making business in Greece, that cosmopolitan Latin-speaking city. When Paul came to Corinth in weakness, fear, and trembling, you can read that in 1 Corinthians 2 verse 3, Priscilla and Aquila welcomed him into their work place and into their home, providing him with meaningful employment that facilitated his missionary activities. Priscilla and Aquila's lives point out the importance of hospitality evangelism. Now I'm going to spend a little bit of time on them because I want us to understand this whole aspect of hospitality evangelism. 
Hospitality evangelism is a process by which we get to know people and develop a trusting, loving relationship to be able to present the gospel to them in the context of acceptance, affection, and openness. You must not be satisfied with making friends for yourself in hospitality evangelism. Did you hear that? That's not uh, what, you, what you're doing. It, it happens that they become your friends, yes. But you, your, your purpose is not to make friends for yourself. Your purpose must be to help your friends become friends of Jesus. Become followers of Jesus. I'm asking you, and that's on your notes now, do you have friends to whom you have never presented your testimony and the gospel? of Christ. Why don't you today write down five names? I'm serious when I say that. Think about friends or family members that you've never told your testimony, to whom you have never told your testimony. Write down their five names today and begin to pray for for their salvation first of all. And in the next two weeks, won't you witness to them and share your testimony with them? I want to say this, if each one of us here today do that, five people. <laughs> because I guarantee you that five more people together with you will be in church. I think the church will be packed, isn't it? But that's not the reason why I'm saying this. But I'm just saying that's, that's the amazing thing about hospitality, evangelism. You invite them for a meal. And as a family, you show them. They see in your life the way you conduct yourself, what you do, that there is love, there's compassion, there's something significant in your life that makes a difference. And you know, there are some couples here in this church, quite a few, they are gifted in that in those areas. Use that. It's an amazing tool to use. Hospitality, evangelism. Are you still with me? Where am I now? Have I lost track of where, where I'm going here? Huh? <laughs> I, uh, yeah, we've got to do that all the time. Eh? But uh, we've got to decide today to share with those individuals the next few weeks, whatever the Lord has done for us. If you are ever a believer, you were a stranger once upon a time, according to Ephesians 2.12, weren't you? We were strangers to the things of the Lord. But God has delivered you, rescued you, in other words, from the domain of darkness and transferred you to the kingdom of his beloved son or the kingdom of light, according to Colossians 1 verse 13. When Jesus cried out, it is finished, John chapter 19, verse 30. The veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. You know that. We read about that in Mark chapter 15, verse 38. This began a great, what we would call, open house. Lord says, the way is open, my child. No matter what you've done, no matter how how you've messed up, how you've blown it, The door is open. The way is open. The way is clear for you. You have access into my presence. 
24-7. You are welcome. <laughs> That's what happened when the curtain was torn in two. Huh? The statement was, you are welcome. You are welcome. And I think of Priscilla and Aquila, how they said to the Apostle Paul, you are welcome. And I think of the Lord, you know, this morning. Uh, uh, I just realized over and over when I read Hebrews 4, verse 16, that I can come with boldness and confidence before the throne of grace. I can enter his presence with confidence. And he's there to listen to me. That's his hospitality. And when he listens to me, you know, he provides me with the hospitality that no one else can give me. He not only changes my life, but he provides me with so much. What a, what a hospitable God he really is. He calls us to be hospitable because he was first hospitable to us. They provided shelter, if you think of, an, uh, not Anna and I, but Priscilla and Aquila. They provided shelter, company, and income for strangers and those who were advancing missionary ventures. In Ephesus, they followed the same template with Apollos, sharing what they had learned from Paul to strengthen the witness of this remarkable young man, Apollos. Their table, think about their table this morning. Their table and living room became sources of encouragement and instruction and evangelism for many. Priscilla and Aquila, I ask you this morning, to what extent do we see our hospitality as a means of kingdom growth? You can use your hospitality as a means of kingdom growth, brother, sister. Priscilla and Aquila, we think of that about mending lives. They were there, always, ready and available to be involved in mending lives. Priscilla and Aquila's story is also one of risk and obedience. In Romans 16:4, we read about how they risked their lives for the Apostle Paul. When the moment arose, they were willing to bear the brunt and risk their lives for the sake of their brother, their friend and for the cause of Christ. Their lives were testimonies of God's faithfulness to the refugee, the worker, the lost, and the overlooked. And their work was recognized around the Mediterranean area and today globally. You know, I think of mending lives here this morning. We are all to be involved in the mending of lives. We are part of God's two-part construction plan. And we read about that in Ephesians 4 verse 12, eh? that of equipping and edifying. You know, you say, but Pastor, what about evangelism? In part of edifying is evangelism as well. <clears throat> but uh, brothers and sisters, we are part of God's two-part construction plan. Whether we want to be or not, we are supposed to be part of this construction plan of the Lord. <laughs> this morning, Paul here was reflecting on those remarkable days around the tent-making table. 
maybe on the sowing and the cutting, the praying and the planning, and it gave him perspective on his life. Are you doing what the Lord wants you to do this morning, my brother, my sister? He looks to each one of us to do our part in his church that he is building, in his kingdom that he is building. And each of us is a unique tool in his hands. Each of us can do something he designed only for you to do. Are you part of his team this morning? All of us, I want to repeat this again, all of us are to be part of God's two-part construction plan, equipping and edifying. Let's just mention this word edifying before I get to equipping. Edifying means to enrich someone's life, to enlighten someone, to evangelize someone, to challenge someone. Yes, edify, but I'm challenging you to educate someone. to be there for someone, equipping. In fact, that's where we come in, where equipping really is the word there, where it speaks about being there for someone, edifying us. It's more involved in, 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 in enlightening and, and sharing with others and all of that. Now, what exactly is equipping? And I want us to understand this thing about equipping. It means to mend what has been broken or torn that's what it means, to repair, to complete, to fit out, to put in order, to arrange. I know I'm giving you a lot of words here. To adjust, to prepare, to strengthen, to make one what he or she ought to be. Now in Matthew 4.21, the word for equipping is translated mending. Jesus found his first disciples sitting and doing what fishermen do, looking through each part of their nets, stitching up tears, mending holes, and fixing anywhere the nets. The nets had started to unravel. So mending nets speak of taking battered, bruised, damaged, or weakened things and getting them back the way they are supposed to be. You know, the Lord wants us to be part of the mending process in the broken lives of others this morning. An equipping church is all about helping people from where they are to where God wants them to be. We all need help, and we all are to help each other. This picture of sewing, patching, mending, and repairing was so much part of the lives of the early Christians. No wonder they had such powerful fellowship back then. They really had powerful fellowship. They knew and felt in their hands what they were supposed to do and be. Mending lives so that those lives can be engaged as tools in Christ's hands. Holding up, helping, encouraging, and discipling others. You're asking an apostle, how can you talk like this? How can I mend people's lives? I can be part of the mending process. I can be part 
of the stitching process. I can be part of something happening in their lives. That is why he created me to do that and to be involved in it. Many are getting torn today and ripped by all the troubles and struggles we experience each day. We have sustained wear and tear to our lives just with the daily pressures and stresses of living. Isn't it true? But now comes the wonderful part here again. As you've heard so far, he uses us to be part of his work of restoring others. Did you hear that? Restoring others to have the torn places in their lives mended. He uses us. Are you part of that? The torn places. That are in need of mending. He wants to use you and I to do that. And we begin to see God as we, be, as we become part of the process. We begin to see God fixing part of life that have started to unravel, like relationships that have started to unravel, hope that have started to unravel, I've lost hope, confidence that have started to unravel, consistency that have started to unravel, I'm no longer as consistent as I used to be, reliability that have started to unravel, availability that have started to unravel. Mending means the application of the stitch to the torn place. I ask you this morning, are you a stitcher for Christ? I'm talking about an encourager, a builder of lives for Christ. Or what are you this morning as his child? That's what it's all about, brothers and sisters. You didn't think that we would get here this morning, eh, brothers and sisters? So, that mending means the application of the stitch to the torn place. I'm applying love there. I'm applying grace there. My brother, I'm here to be part of your life. My sister, I'm here to be part of your life. I'm here to walk the road with you. I'm here to stand with you, to pray with you, to support you. Ask again this morning, are we an equipping or mending church here too? As we look at all these things. Priscilla. And let's go back to this woman for a moment. Priscilla exemplified unchanging, unconditional graciousness. This woman's speech was flavored with sensitivity and mercy. Others enjoyed talking to her for endless hours in her living room. In her workplace, people were excited about her. Here is a woman who attracted respect in, in her own right, as well as complimented her husband's path. Wives, you better listen to this this morning. Are you complimenting your husband's path? 
as a fellow worker, Priscilla stands out as a godly woman, wise, understanding, a teacher of teachers, a church planter, a warm-hearted and a perceptive woman after the heart of God. Are you that this morning? I say men that you will learn from this woman here this morning. Priscilla and Aquila, when we think of them, they teach us that nothing in our life happens by chance. You've got to look at how the bigger picture took shape in their lives. As you look back on your life this morning, there are several pivotal events that set in motion or adjusted the course of your life. And I think of Priscilla and Aquila here, and I think of their involvement in the lives of people. What if somebody else, did you ever think about it? What if somebody else sat on the empty seat at their table other than Paul? Did you ever think about that? What if somebody else other than Paul sat on that empty seat? Would we have had the ministry of the apostle? What? I ask again, if somebody else had sat on that empty seat, God had a purpose. Nothing happens by chance. Remember this about yourself. Nothing happens by chance. Their lives were enriched by the Apostle Paul. They enriched the lives of the Apostle Paul and others in their living room and at their table. Isn't that amazing? How God moves and how God works. And the other thing that I want to mention here when we think of mending lives is togetherness is a multifaceted thing. Now you're going to understand that I'm going to explain it to you. It's a multifaceted thing. It involves every dimension of our lives. Now let me first mention this. When Priscilla and Aquila are mentioned in scripture, they are always mentioned together. But I want to say this, together as we work for the kingdom of God, and I'm including all of us, there is, there is the spiritual dimension. We talk about multifaceted dimension. There's the spiritual dimension where the Lord is the center of everything. There is the family dimension. I'm not going to go into that. There is the emotional dimension. You understand what I'm talking about here. There is the intellectual dimension. When I talk about intellectual, that is where the teaching of Priscilla came in, the instruction of the Apostle Paul and all of that. That's where the intellect is used, the intellectual dimension. There's always any intellectual dimension in any situation, whether in a family or anywhere. There's the creative dimension. There's always a creative dimension as well. What about the workplace dimension? The marketplace dimension where I find myself more, much longer than the hours I spend even at home. Isn't it true? What about the crisis dimension? It's all there. You can you see what I'm talking about? Multifaceted dimension. There's a multifaceted dimension in the Christian life. And we've got to shine in all those areas. 
You've got to make a difference in all those areas. It's a lot, eh? But that's what the Lord believes we can do together, not on our own. Maybe this morning you long to see people rescued from crises. Maybe this morning your heart burns for the next generation. Maybe this morning you wonder what you should do and how you should get involved. But let me say this. Lord is asking you to make yourself available so that together we could establish his kingdom here, right here, in Utene Karicha, as we call it these days. But we need our, you know, when I think of this, we need our motivation constantly mended. Proverbs 28 verse 1 speaks about the wicked fleeing when they are being pursued. But then it says the righteous are as bold as lions. James chapter 1 verse 2 says, Consider it it joy when you face many trials because you know (laughs) that the testing of your faith will produce perseverance. We will always be faced with devotion, you know, our devotion constantly needs mending. How devoted are you to the Lord? In 1 Samuel 12, 24, I'm going to use the last part of the verse. It says, consider what the Lord has done for you and serve him faithfully with all your heart. Triumph in, in Christ. Our triumph in Christ needs to constantly be mended. 2 Corinthians 2 verse 14. Thanks be to God who always leads us in triumphant procession in Christ and enables us, and I'm using my own words, to spread the fragrance of his greatness, his love, his goodness, his faithfulness wherever we go. Yes, what about our faith that constantly needs to be mended. First Thessalonians 3 speaks about day and night the, they were praying for the, those believers and they said in order that we could supply the lack that there is in your faith. Oh, we need to focus. Also, constantly, we need to mend, you know, our focus. Matthew 6.33, we know that. And then also, endurance through affliction constantly need to be mended. Are you doing that as a believer this morning? We've touched on so many things here this morning. I pray that somehow the Holy Spirit will lead you and direct you to what you need to know and what you need to respond to and what you need need to do here this morning. I ask you this morning, how is your life? Is it in need of mending? Why not pause this moment and ask the Lord to sow your soul, mend your heart, heal your emotions, restore your life, and get you back on track with Him. What in your life this morning needs mending? May you turn to Him this morning and seek his face.
and be obedient to him. Amen. God bless you all. Father, thank you for your word this morning. Mending process, Lord. The mending process. Let me rather start again. The mending process, Lord. It's intense. It's deep. But Lord, you want to use us to be part of it in the lives of others. Won't you direct our steps this week to be stitchers, to be encouragers, to be builders of lives, to equip and edify others for kingdom purposes. We thank you, Lord, for who you are. Amen.